Hello, everyone. Welcome to your newest episode of the Cosmic Matrix podcast with your host, myself, Laura Matsu, and my husband, Bernhard Gunther. And on this episode, we're going to be diving deep into the topic of ancestral karma, ancestral trauma, and talking about how you can break cycles of ancestral trauma yourself. So if you're someone who feels like you're in a difficult relationship with your family, your lineage, maybe you already consider yourself to be some sort of cycle breaker, or you feel like you're a black sheep in that family, or maybe you just have unhealthy family patterns that you realize you don't want to carry on to your own children or you're in your own relationships, or you're just interested in this topic of ancestral karma and trauma in general, this podcast will definitely have some great tips in here for you. So in the first hour of this podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about trauma, give some definitions that we like, and then we're going to talk about themes in the modality of family constellation therapy, which I've done in depth, which is basically Bert Hellinger, a German psychotherapist form of therapy, and it's a form of therapy specifically for healing ancestral trauma. We're going to speak about some terms that he uses, which I find super fascinating, like this family consciousness he speaks about in depth. Um, we, we're going to also talk about what he calls unconscious loyalties, which show up in family systems, and how we basically can repeat the sins of our ancestors in order to belong to the family system, and then how we can begin to heal those ancestral legacies that we may carry um, from our parents, our grandparents, and all of our ancestors. And in the second hour, which is available for members of our membership, so if you're not a member, you can go to veilofreality.com slash membership, and you can get access to the second hour of all over 100 podcasts by now. We're going to dive much deeper into this topic. So first, we're going to be begin by talking about the concept of forgiveness when it comes to family, which Bert Hellinger has a pretty controversial view compared to most mainstream therapy, which is generally a theme in his work, which I think is why I've liked his work so much, because it really goes against a what a lot of conventional mainstream therapy says. Um, he, we're going to also discuss what he calls these four unconscious themes that can show up in family and how you can begin to look in your own life to understand the potential family karma that you may be carrying. So we're really going to go deep into this topic. You're going to walk away with some really valuable things to reflect on, to think about, and let's just go right into it. So, All right. So... Yeah, one of the reasons we want to talk about trauma, I mean, it's coming up more and more. There's a lot of new modalities. I think that it's actually in a very positive sense, the topic of trauma is coming more to the forefront and is more accepted. You know, it was not even a long time ago, I believe in the 80s and 90s, they would even not take sexual abuse in children seriously or any childhood trauma and all of that. And most often trauma would be just uh, equated with these big T traumas, like a war veteran obviously had trauma with PTSD or murder, murder of violence, and or all being of that. involved in a natural disaster. Yeah, or trauma from an, a severe car accident. You know that it can also affect you for the years to come afterwards. Yeah, and so you know we've noticed a lot of division, obviously, because we live in a very polarized world right now, on the left and the right perspectives on trauma. So. You know, the left is being criticized as making trauma an identity. So like, or using it as an excuse. I've also heard people say that the left is describing 
minor upsets that everyone deals with as a trauma, like, oh, seeing Jordan Peterson on Twitter traumatizes me, for example. <laughs> and the right tends to deny the existence of trauma. Like I've le literally seen popular influences who are more kind of conservative leaning say that they kind of adopt the old school definition of a trauma, which is it only happens as a result of war or murder or some extreme event, which is a pretty outdated view. It doesn't include developmental trauma basically. And many of them quote um, this book called The Coddling of the American Mind, which I've also read, which basically focuses on how the creation of all these safe spaces and universities is actually making people less resilient, is actually making them worse over time. Um, so one side claims that everyone has trauma and claims that everything is trauma. And the other side basically claims that very rarely does this occur. It's a very rare instance. So... I've even heard many on the conservative right say that inter ancestral and intergenerational trauma just simply doesn't exist, which I disagree with. Um, I've seen it in my own life, how it got carried on. And I've done a lot of work on ancestral trauma and also a lot of work in family constellations therapy unraveling this. So obviously we are in the camp that does exist. Yeah. And also just to give, uh, you know, not throwing out the, the baby the bathwater, so to speak, the left tends to over-exaggerate trauma and come uh, has abused or politicized uh, the idea of trauma and weaponized it even to the point of, yeah, I need to have my safe space. This is traumatizing, you know, and, and use it as a reason to censor people. Uh, but the right uh, has also a point, right, that the left is just oversensitive and they see trauma everywhere. However, as Laura just mentioned, uh, the right is definitely the conservative right throwing out the baby with the bathwater and denying trauma, not really even understanding trauma because they equate it with the big, big T trauma, so to speak. And for example, we see also in the conservative right, especially more the fundamental Christian right, uh, this reemergence of authoritarian child education, so to speak, where spanking is even justified. And you mean parenting? Parenting, yes, is what I mean. Parenting, where even spanking is justified. You're yelling at the child and screaming it down to gain respect and all of that. Basically, but, psychological, emotional, and physical abuse is exactly. seen as a good way to discipline a child. Yeah, they don't see it as psychological, physical abuse. They don't see it as traumatizing. They say this is just what has to be done. Yeah, you right? have to. It's, it's actually this outdated view that children are just these kind of like, um, they're close to animals when they're young and they need to just be like put in line, which is like the old school yeah. authoritarian parenting kind of style. And now you see, especially in the past 20 years, there's been a huge movement because of the research we've done in attachment towards attachment style parenting, which basically focuses on the quality of the relationship. And if the relationship between the parents is good, doesn't mean you don't have boundaries or you don't have discipline, but the relational, the relationship matters. So if I scream at my kid and then I justify and say, you deserved it, not only am I shaming him, I'm I'm messing up the relationship between me and the child. And then that child will later on not want to tell me things, not be open to me because they'll be scared of me. Yeah. And Ironically, they will then most likely become authoritarian followers themselves or they become abusers themselves, yes. which also ties into many considerable people justified, well, you know, it did good for me as well. I needed to be disciplined that way. And they're justifying this abuse which I can relate to, I have this done partly too in my upbringing, because uh, it becomes pathology normalized and you don't even are really aware what kind of abuse truly happened because in order to acknowledge it, you would have to tune into the pain, the suppressed pain, 
right? The abandonment, the emotional pain, the shame, because it's very shame-inducing as well. Mm-hmm. In order so, to suppress it, you build that mask, and then the classical the abuser becomes the abuse, and that we're going to talk about it. It ties more into um, generational trauma, and then uh, families get, being re-traumatized, re-traumatized because of this pathological parenting. Yeah, that's what Alice Miller's work was basically about. Is she said that the you know abuse has been woven, child abuse has been woven into the culture, and I see it now. Like even you know, I think you and I have spoken out, kind of shared content on Twitter and Instagram recently, showing emotional and psychological abuse. I showed it with this woman who was like pretending to be this like AI robot on tiktok who like was took a break to like yell and scream at her son and her son was screaming in the background and i had people hop on there being like oh do you have kids because if you had kids you would do do this too you would know some people said oh that's not abuse you know like you're going off and screaming at your kid multiple times while you're live streaming pretending to be a high bot like it was insane but then we have to acknowledge that child abuse has been normalized in a lot of the outdated parenting styles. And I say outdated, but they're basically the dominant parenting styles that most people still practice, aside from a small subset of the population who has become aware of the damage. Like, you don't, you won't, you'll very, you'll find very few therapists who will use this style of parenting because they see the damage that it's done to their clients. So... Okay. Yeah, so there's basically, so let's go on some definitions of yes. trauma. So I'm going to share a couple and then you can share the actual dictionary definition. Go ahead. So Donald Kalshad, Jungian uh, analyst, uh, writer as well, he has a great definition of trauma where he says, trauma is an injury in the capacity to feel. So meaning that we numb, we disassociate, we check out, we become less connected to ourselves and our feelings and our emotions through traumas over time. I would say that's a good psycho-spiritual definition. And then Gabor Mate has, a, has an interesting definition as well, where he defines it as a moment where you got disconnected from your true self. So if you put those together, how many people do we know who are not able to tune into their emotions, are very emotionally immature. Like they don't even know that they have emotions. They don't even know when they're angry, when they're sad, anything like that. Or they're disassociated in general. I know a lot. I see a lot in the world. And how many people do we know who live as a false persona out in the world? A lot. So in my view, because we've had this epidemic of child abuse, which has been woven into the culture for multiple generations, a lot of people are carrying some degree of a disconnection from their capacity to feel and a disconnection from their true self. Yeah, that kind of say something to that? Yeah. That reminds me of Gabba Mata, trauma as a, as a moment you got disconnected from your true self. It reminds me of something Reggie Ray said. He's a meditation master, also combines somatic work with meditation, very powerful work. We've talked about him before. But he said something really fascinating, paraphrasing. In his view, he said, everybody is traumatized traumatized without exception because of the original trauma, which is disconnection from the true self, from essence, even from the divine, the God, and identification with the false personality, the ego self, the fall from Eden, so to speak. That's the original trauma. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And he was, basically there, said that ego, oh, the, the creation of the human ego was an, I can't find the quote, but the creation of the human ego is in itself a trauma response. Right. So you could go even deeper with that. But personally, I do notice a lot like 
If you look at children before they get traumatized, before they get wounded, which can happen actually very young and can even happen in utero, they're free, they're connected to essence, they're happy, they're joyful, they're connected to their emotions. When they're sad, they cry. When they're angry, they have a temper tantrum. They're so much more in tune with their true selves until they experience trauma. And then you look at the world of adults that we have out there and you know, you see a lot of disassociation, disconnection, fakeness, you know, people acting like false personalities. And we learn that from somewhere. And we usually learn that as a coping mechanism, as a trauma response. Who, I remember there was another definition that trauma happens when things happen too, there's too much and too fast. Oh, yeah. So that's another, I don't know whose definition that is, but the basically big T trauma. So like a, well, Not all big tree trauma, but there's two kinds of trauma. Big T trauma, which is a single one-off event, and then developmental trauma, which is a lot mm -hmm. of minor events over time. So, for example, you know, big T trauma is experience a rape, a divorce, abuse in childhood. You know, if that abuse is ongoing, it will actually turn to developmental trauma. And then developmental trauma is basically too little for too long. So think of big T trauma as too much too fast and then little T trauma mm -hmm. as too little for too long. Yeah. So if we're in a um, family, for example, that they're emotionally checked out, they're emotionally unavailable or immature, we're getting too little nurturing uh, connection, um, love, uh, appreciation for too long and that does damage over yeah, time i can relate to that in many ways i have no major t trauma nothing that i'm aware of at all but the de 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 developmental trauma that's a key point and many of us i said no no parents were perfect even them well-meaning way they were not maybe emotionally mature to give to meet your needs or they were kind of trying to get their needs met through you or they were not allowing you to have certain feelings or certain behavior was unacceptable and shaming you for that, even though there were meaning intention to parent you, so to speak. But over and over again, that creates trauma. That's created a wound to the self. That creates a disassociated state that suppresses certain emotion that will be relegated into the shadow. Right, ties into that as well. Okay, just also want to share the official Oxford Dictionary definition of trauma, which is a deeply distressing or disturbing experience, emotional shock following a stressful event or a physical injury, mm -hmm. which may be associated with physical physical shock or sometimes leads to long-term neurosis. I also want to mention that actually the root word for trauma is from Greek and uh, is a wound. So being traumatized means being wounded. And again, because I feel that people have this notion of trauma, there's something bad, terrible, like something big happened. But It simply means wounded, and we all are wounded to varying degrees. Yeah, the important thing to understand is that the same event could happen to two different people, and it won't. It could register as a trauma. It could disconnect mm. them from their true self, create a false self for one person. Another person, it could not. That's and usually, point. the difference is is the support systems around the person. Mm -hmm. So, if that the one the person who will be likely to be more traumatized won't have anyone to talk to, Got won't have outside of the family system either, yes. like even a neighbor or a relative, they won't have anyone to tell. So they're alone with their pain. Mm. And so that's, that, the, the, that's actually the original trauma is a lack of attachment to the parents. Yeah. And then you think about speaking of authoritarian parenting, if you're 
shaming your child every time they make a mistake or mess up, that child will not feel safe to talk to you when something important happens. Mm -hmm. And then you have on the other side of the coin, you know, so if someone actually, so say if something terrible happens, child, they get raped when they're like very young preteen or something. If the response there's a great response to it, meaning they tell someone that's really loving and cares about them. They tell the they tell the um, authorities it gets taken care of. They get counseling. They'll be able to work through that. It's the child who's alone with their pain who will usually have a trauma after the event. So, mm-hmm. not every not every single event is inherently traumatizing. It all depends on the circumstances surrounding the person. That's the point that I'm trying to make. So, okay, now we're going to get into the definitions from. Bert Hellinger's family constellation work. So first we need to understand his concept of family consciousness. So I'm reading the definition from this amazing book from a family constellations therapist. Uh, It's called It Didn't Start With You. His name is Mark Wallen. Highly recommend this book. And he, so here's his, his description of it. And he says, the notion that we inherit and relive aspects of family trauma has been the subject of many books by the renowned German psychotherapist, Bert Hellinger. Having studied families for more than 50 years, first as a Catholic priest and later as a family therapist and philosopher, Hellinger teaches that we share a family consciousness with our biological family members who come before us. He observed that traumatic events, such as the premature death of a parent, sibling, or a child, uh, or an abandonment, crime, or suicide, can exert a powerful influence over us, leaving an imprint on our entire family system for generations. These imprints then become the family blueprint as family members unconsciously repeat the suffering of the past. The repetition of trauma is not always an exact replica of the original event. In a family in which someone has committed a crime, for example, someone born in a later generation could atone for that crime without realizing that he or she is doing so. Hellinger believes that the mechanism behind these... Oh, so let's talk about this first, and then yeah. I'll talk about unconscious yeah. loyalties for next. So basically, what he's saying is that we inherit and relive aspects of the family trauma, and he's even pointing to people that we didn't even know. So that's the important thing. It's almost like this web of family consciousness, of family patterns repeating over family generations unconsciously, and we're not realizing that. So what's really happening, there's two kinds of trauma in that sense. There's something that happens to you in childhood, as a young child, as an infant, especially the first three years or the first seven years are key. That's a lot of traumas being installed, so to speak, through childhood wounding, what we mentioned before. But then there's intergenerational trauma that we inherit the trauma of our parents or ancestors that we take on even biologically is embedded into our body. Yeah, but the early childhood trauma is part of the intergenerational. You can't remove it so from the family system. Say. Yeah. So exactly. So, you know, because it's all interlinked, it's not either or or separated, but it tags into that. Well, you got to zo- like the whole thing, though, is to zoom out and even to look at the problems that happen within our mother and parents in our early childhood as part of the larger system. Mm-hmm. It includes all of it in the system. So if we were abused or abandoned, say if we we're abandoned as a child, meaning our needs weren't emotionally met to think of that as a continuation of a pattern that's been going on for generations, because right. it okay. most likely has. I've yeah. never met a case where it hasn't. Um, and then this is the most fascinating part. I think about this one a lot, actually, because I have a pretty uh, intense family history, which I'll go into in the second hour. And he, and this is, again, from uh, Mark Wallen. And he says, 
Hellinger believes that the mechanism behind these repetitions, so these repetitions in the family consciousness, is unconscious loyalty. Mm-hmm. And he views unconscious loyalty as a cause of much suffering in families, unable to identify the source of their systems as belonging to an earlier generation. People often assume that the source of their problem in their own life experience, that the source is, of their yeah, problem yeah. is their own life experience and are left helpless to find a solution. Hellinger teaches that everyone has the same right to belong in the family system and no one can be excluded for any reason whatsoever. This includes the alcoholic grandfather who left our grandmother in the fa- uh, impoverished, the stillborn brother whose death broke our mother's heart, and even the neighbor child our father accidentally killed as he backed out of the driveway, the criminal uncle, our mother's older half-sister, the baby we aborted. They all belong in our family, mm. and the list goes on. Even people we wouldn't normally include in our family system must be included. If someone harmed or murdered or took advantage of a member of our family, that person must be included. Likewise, if somebody in our family harmed or murdered or took advantage of someone, the victim would also need to be included. Earlier partners of our parents and grandparents also belong by their dying or leaving or having been left. An opening is created that allows for our father, mother, grandmother, grandfather to enter the system and ultimately allows us to be born. So basically what he stresses is that Hellinger has observed that when someone is rejected or left out of the family system, that person can be represented by a later member of the system. The later person might share or repeat the earlier person's fate by behaving similarly or by repeating some aspect of the excluded person's suffering. So if, for example, your grandfather is rejected in the family because of his drinking, gambling, and philandering, it is possible that one or more of these behaviors will be adopted by one of his descendants. In this way, family suffering continues into the subsequent generations. And I'm just going to carry it off, or sorry, close it off, where he says, Hellinger stresses that we each must carry our own fate, regardless of its severity. No one can attempt to take on the fate of a parent, grandparent, sibling, uncle, or aunt without some type of suffering ensuing. And he uses the word entanglement to describe Mm -hmm. this kind of suffering. When entangled you unconsciously carry the feelings, symptoms, behaviors, or hardships of an earlier member of the family system as if these were your own and later children in the family can often carry the unresolved traumas of the grandparents. Wow. Thank thank you so much for sharing that. That opens up a can of worms for sure. So let's unpack that a little bit. This is really fascinating. For me, what came up as I was reading it is almost an amazing synthesis of this intergenerational trauma. So family system extending beyond the family, it's almost more your close circle, so to speak, but it deeply ties, uh, it's almost like a more psychological interpretation or even explanation of karma as well. Yeah. In that sense, uh, really fascinating, right? And it also just blows the lid out of where most therapy stops, which is at the family. Like, oh, your mom, your dad was narcissist and abusive and they're terrible and you just need to deal with it. Like, it really helps you. Like, if you can really, first of all, it's a hard pill to swallow some of his ideas. And I'm going to go into some more triggering ones in a moment. But (laughs) I have to say this 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 is really important. This is the title of his Mark Wallen's book. It didn't start with you, and it didn't start with your parents either. Right, exactly. It goes down the the family line. Um, very important. It reminds me also something. Two things. So, 
Um, number one, it reminds me something when we had Paul Levy on the podcast a few episodes ago with this new book. He talked about what took on that sense of generational family trauma relating to that, right? That whatever is not healed, whatever we not is not really uh, processed or integrated, at some point the family member has to act it out. It also ties into shadow work, especially that reminded me of, uh, can I just repeat this real quick again yeah. here, uh, which you also highlighted. Um, Hellinger has observed that when someone is rejected or left out of the family system, that person can be represented by a later member of the system. That later person might share or repeat the earlier person's fate by behaving similarly or by repeating some aspect of the excluded person's suffering, right? Why? Because it's just rejected, it's denied, it's avoided, so it's being relegated into the shadow. Yeah. But we know from Young in Shadow work, nothing, whatever it's suppressed, av avoided, and not integrated, made conscious of, will be acted out as fate. So somebody becomes the carrier or enactment of the shadow in the family system. You know what's hilarious too? His example literally happened in my family in the exact way oh, really? where he says, <laughs> the, he says, if for grandpa. example, your grandfather is rejected in the family because of his drinking, gambling, and philandering, my grandfather oh, did yeah, all of that. that. Yeah, yeah. It is possible that one or more of these behaviors will be adopted by one of his descendants. So my grandfather... I mean, he rejected himself, by the way. He left the family, which is a huge trauma in itself. Yeah. Um, so he left the family after the war um, because he just got very bitter and angry. He ended up dying, I think, close to 50. Like, he ended up dying pretty young. But what's interesting is he was also a drinker, a gambler, and a philanderer. And then, interestingly, guess how many people on my dad's side of the family, his sons and descendants have drinking and gambling issues. Quite not, a few. But not, not drinking specifically because they're more into like different drugs too, but drinking too, but definitely, <laughs> but definitely like the, just the general kind of vibe of it. A yeah, lot, yeah. I, I've seen this actually. That's I've seen true. a lot of people take on his habits and they didn't, they weren't even like much raised around him. I mean, some of them were around him until they were 14, which is pretty substantial, yeah. but still, like I've seen this play out in my own family of origin because my own family, yeah. my grandparents were put into an internment camp. My father was born in that internment camp. Most of my aunts and uncles on my dad's side were raised in that internment camp. And I've watched the intergenerational trauma first person uh, happen through my family and observed it. And I've worked with it, which I'll share more about yeah. in part two. No, it's fascinating. Because um, I want to add one more thing. When you, the the expanded family system is anybody who has there's basically trauma within the family also inflicted by no, a non blood family member, but even everything needs to come back around, so to speak, as part of the family system. Even he, he says, even the baby we aborted, they all belong in our family. That's a trauma that you know the baby, even earthbound spirit attachments of an aborted baby that ties into all of that, but that shows again not getting into this big topic of abortion, but usually the leftist liberal, they see it just as, you know, have no A spiritual cells. trauma understanding of, of what an abortion really does, even on an unseen metaphysical level or a trauma level from the perspective of family systems. Yeah. So, you know, this can obviously go very deep and become very, uh, you can really expand upon your family history and start to notice patterns over time. This idea of um, unconscious loyalty is mm. super important to understand. And I know from yes. someone who, 
whose family has experienced a huge ancestral trauma that I know of. It's even written about in books. I'm able to actually read about my grandparents' story in the um, internment camps in a book, which has helped me profoundly. But we need to really understand that there's a mechanism behind some of the things that we repeat in our lives, which is related to this concept of unconscious loyalty, that our symptoms, especially if they have no link to our early childhood, could actually belong to an earlier generation. And so how we can heal this is like, you can definitely do family constellation therapy, especially if you find someone skilled in your area, but even becoming aware and applying this to your own inner work is really useful. So you could, you know, read like a book, like it didn't start with you, or you can just, you know, read other books on it. There's tons of other books, but the most important thing is that he stresses that we have to carry our own fate. We, so for example, if our mom was in an abusive, unhealthy relationship, and then we end up in an unhealthy, abusive relationship. That's a perfect example of this unconscious loyalty playing out. And we need to carry our own fate in the sense that we need to carry the fate that we have being born in that family system. But we also need to remove ourselves from carrying the problems of our mother, our father, or grandparents, which are not ours to carry. That's a really key point, is a lot of us have unconsciously through these unconscious loyalties, created an attachment to an earlier family pattern that is not helping us. Yeah, and I also point out really understanding what you said, it's unconscious, meaning you're literally not aware of it. You don't know that you're doing it. You know, especially if you don't understand this whole concept of intergenerational trauma and family systems and all of that, it's unconscious, just like your shadow's unconscious. So unless you really work towards becoming aware of it, you don't know uh, about this unconscious loyalty at all? Well, I think that with inner work, you can start to really become aware of it, especially yes. if you're kind of like me and this is the realm that you love to live in and you like to be in a place of self-inquiry. Why do I feel this way? Why am I responding this way? If you're that kind of person who's more internally orientated, eventually you will come across stuff that didn't necessarily happen in your family of origin or maybe another thing I've came up with in my in my own work, because I've worked with many kind of conventional therapists, is that it something left was un incomplete when I just stopped at my parents. There was some bigger pattern which I could feel was like looming in the background, which created my parents, which I became more curious about. So we really need to understand these core concepts that the family has a systemic conscious conscience and way of operating. So he, this is another one of Bert Hellinger's idea is that, you know, we think of conscience as like our moral conscience, our sense of right and wrong. And it's like, you know, there's only, you know, our conscience cannot misguide us. And so Bert Hellinger basically kind of throws that out the window in a sense where he says that there's different levels of of this conscience that he speaks of. And there's a higher moral conscience where we have a framework of right and wrong, and it's usually connected to a higher power. And we abide by that. But that's not the conscience he's speaking about. He's talking about the systemic conscience of the family system. So the family system and the whatever way it's set up has certain rules, has certain ways of behaving, has certain unspoken agreements within it. Each family has a different thing too. And when you break out of those unconscious, uh, the systemic conscious of the family, we will often feel guilt. 
And so we need to be aware that this is not moral guilt. This is guilt from breaking out of the family system. So for and let me just give a quick example. Yeah. So for example, if a family has been poor for many generations and they've made an identity out of it, like we're, we know we're salt of the earth people We're we not may not make a lot, but we're good people. And they have all of these phrases to kind of like show that the systemic conscious of the family is one of poverty. Like it's, 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 it's good to be not to, it's good not to make a lot of money. You know, and so perhaps someone breaks out of it, has a really big gift and creates abundance in their life, then they may feel guilt for doing so, or they might feel like they don't deserve it because it's they're they're breaking one of the uh rules in the systemic conscious of the family, or they sabotage it in some way because there's an unconscious loyalty to the family to stay in poverty poverty based on the family system's yeah. rules. That's really ties into the, the matrix poverty program. Um big time in not only if uh, somebody may break through it but that keeps people in poverty because of unconscious loyalty of like you know uh, you know it doesn't have to be full on uh, uh, poverty that the family is in full on poverty but even like oh we're just modest people you know rich people they are not up to no good see, we take on all these beliefs these ideas right unconsciously and stay loyal to that unconsciously and hence can easily self-sabotage unconsciously any effort to break out of it or even to be successful in any any shape or form. Yeah. But I want to speak to what you just said. That, that really hits me hard when I learned about it. It was a big uh, healing breakthrough moment for me um, that the family system expects us to abide by certain rules. And when we break out of the family system, we often feel this guilt. But like you mentioned, this is not moral guilt because there's such thing as healthy guilt based on conscience. You yeah. know, when you steal from someone, thing that's not yours, you should feel guilty. That's an aspect of conscience. Well, know? he's he's not talking about this higher moral conscious. I know that's to that. what that's what yeah, I want to get systemic into. Systemic conscious of the family. Exactly. So that's what I'm saying. It's not the the, the moral guilt, but I can relate to that. For example. Uh, just to give a quick example for my family system, I always had to go to family obligations, but I didn't, you know, it was always forced upon me, but I didn't, my family was spread out all over because after the war, you know, they lived all over Germany, uh, immigrating uh, or escaped Eastern Germany. So I never had a full family unit, but we always had to visit, but I didn't have an emotional close relationship to any of my family members. So it was kind of forced upon me, like this obligation, like, oh, you have to do this and now go to your grandma and your uncle and all of that. Even when I came here, you know, I'd always like wish happy birthday to all my family members. You know, it was like expected from me, right? And even calling up my parents and whatnot. And if I would not do that, um, I would feel very guilty. I feel extremely guilty about it, even though it, I didn't do anything wrong. It was just this guilt of not uh, doing what is expected of me, so to speak. Yeah. But it was not a moral guilt. Yeah, so right? the family system expected you to wish everyone in the system happy birthday exactly. and you experience guilt if you didn't do it and yeah. you would experience you know innocence which is the opposite side of it in, in Bert Hunger's system if you did do it meaning you would be like okay you're good you wish them happy birthday exactly and it's not a big thing but there was for me it sounds maybe not a big thing but for me it's like it was a big thing because I'm always de dealing with this guilt if I don't if I say no and don't act out of obligation right yeah yeah and that's you know that kind of guilt is very toxic and, and doesn't feel good at all yeah, so we want to look at what our family system, what are the rules in family system, your family system, what are you allowed to talk about, what are you not allowed to talk about, what are you allowed to do, what are you not allowed to do, what do people in your family gossip about, what do they mm. talk disparagingly about others about if they do, there's so many hidden rules 
And often if you're like a black sheep or a scapegoat like me, you just break rules left and right and offend people and don't even realize it. And then the only way that you can fit into the family system is become the black sheep, is become the scapegoat. Like you're the outlier, but you still belong in the family system as an outlier. So, you know, there. so what the most important thing to understand is if you're in a toxic family system, you will feel guilt from breaking out of the family system, even if the things that you're doing are actually good for your soul and good for your family, your, you know, your life path and, and whatnot. There yeah. can be an aspect of guilt because you're doing things that the family system says has not been allowed. And then the second core concept we really need to understand is that we're repeating to belong. So we repeat the sins of our parents in order to belong to the family system. So for example... A mother who was abused by her own mother will then be abusive to her own daughter so she can feel a belonging to her mother who she consciously rejected or another way it can play out. And these are just hypothetical. I'm not saying this happens to everyone. I'm just throwing out examples. Another way it can play out is a father who's an alcoholic um, and then the, and, and he, and he's not there for his son. And then the, and then the son who then becomes a parent becomes an addict and is also not there for his son in the same way. So we do this because we want to feel belonging to the family system. That's the fascinating thing is it's not something we consciously want to do, but we have this inbred kind of desire need need, I would say, as mammals in the human experience to belong to the family system. Yeah. So this is such a deep gravitational need. We need to feel like we belong somewhere. And so this sense of belonging can create these re repetitions to belong that we may not want to do, but we it's, it's just a part of us that actually feels good because it gives us a sense of meaning and belonging somewhere. Yeah. It's interesting. So I wanted like kind of like not to distract or divert right now, but it ties into this left versus right paradigm. We see the pathological woke left wants to disrupt the family system, break apart the nuclear family, right? Part of the agenda, so to speak, on, on that level. But then we see the counter reaction of the right conservative, the family you know, the tradition. When you go back to tradition, the family is the most important thing. You know what I mean? The father's a provider and almost these like outdated uh, generals going back to it, you know? Um, and there's some truth to it, but it's very fixed. And what they're missing as well, again, you can the idea of family system. So it's uh, what I've seen a lot on the right or the conservative is also the image of the family, right? And that's exactly how the trauma is being repeated over families in the family system, yeah, unconsciously lived out through generations because of the appearance of having a good family. The yeah, they image don't talk it, about right? attachment or anything like that. Like, oh, I have a family with four kids and I'm the provider, but what's going on, uh, you know, psychologically intergenerational between all the family members yeah. in the family system what's that's unspoken of, what's right? What's their relationship like? Exactly. Um, and that's another thing I won't go into in this podcast, but, you know, Bert Hellinger, I mean, I love him because he says so many things that are controversial to <laughs> conventional therapy and a woke person would, would read this and probably get very um, triggered because he has very different views around what men and women or whatever, you know, he just disagrees with a lot of the modern concepts of therapy. I, I, I get, um, which I like, but one thing he really talks about is that the relationship with the parents is the really core of the family. So you see when like 
children become the focus and like, oh, we just live for the child. It's all for the children. That's actually out of balance with the natural order mm -hmm. of the family system is that the relationship with the parents is actually of primary importance. And then if the relationship with the parents are good, then the children are happy, then the children are healthier. Right. So it all begins with the, the quality of the relationship of the parents, basically. And that's kind of like the nucleus of the entire system. Right. So how can we heal the ancestral trauma, ancestral karma we're carrying from our parents. So if you want to look at your family karma first, it really does begin with your parents. So you need to understand at least the impact they had on you as far as the impact on your sense of self, what you believe about the world, the impact on your relationships. Often, you know, not often, but a lot of the time we don't actually have a narrative for what happened because it happened before three and it's stored in our implicit memory. But we have a narrative as far as our somatic reactions to things and what's called our implicit memory. But you need to be able to be willing to look at that family relationship because I know a lot of people out of a defense of pain, they, um, they don't want to look at it. They want to dismiss it. They just want to cut them off and move on and screw them or you know, or they just are in sometimes often denial about anything harmful that happened. But meanwhile, their relationships are a mess and you can see the symptoms in their life everywhere, but they won't want to look at. So first you have to see the impact of your parents. And then the core concept, which is also one I, I find, if I ever share this kind of concept on social media, I get like a million people get very upset at me. It's about accepting what is. So it means accepting that your parents even harmful parents are the right parents. And this is a very no. controversial <laughs> take for some people. Yeah. People hate it. And I'm going to go into the abuse aspect in a moment. But so, so like agreeing that you got the right parents does not mean submitting to abuse. It means accepting what is, accepting what happened, accepting the reality of the situation. And abusive parents are guilty and they have to be held responsible for their acts. But we always have the right parents no matter what. Well, it reminds you also, you know, this whole karmic notion that we always choose our parents. And I'm not saying consciously, can be also unconsciously based on the law of cause and effect over incarnations. But whatever situation we are born into is also a result of past karma, of past cast actions, lessons, uh, behaviors, thoughts, feelings, and all of that. So hence, we always have the right parents, no matter what. Yes, Every, yeah, exactly. So I'm going to read a quote by Joy Mann, who's another family constellation therapist. And she says, in many therapies, we are encouraged to sit in judgment of our parents. Children fail and suffer and they find their parents guilty of causing this and parents feel guilty. This is disempowering for all concerned. Children are free to overcome their childhood suffering and to learn to become happy and can leave the adult problems and their parents to their own fate. So what she's pointing at is you need to become aware of the problems that you carried from your ancestors and leave it to them, leave it to their own fate. Mm -hmm. So that's breaking this kind of unconscious loyalty aspect. And she says, constellation work favors self-responsibility and gives no place to blaming. The systemic conscience shows that we always have the right parents. When we acknowledge that, we become stronger. Imagine saying to each parent, now I take you as my mother and father with gratitude. You are the only right mother and father for me. I thank you for my life. Unless we fully take in our parents, we cannot separate from them and become autonomous. Well, I can definitely see how this can be extremely triggering for a lot of people. 
especially yeah. people who may probably deal with more severe so abuse, narcissistic parents, yeah. and all of that. But well, yeah, well, yeah that's I want. Well, let's ahead. read her quote about yeah, about how even harmful parents are the right parents. Because oh, if you're yeah. like myself, you know, you're you're going to be like, oh, I'm definitely not going to say that. <laughs> so you know, and she says it's again for by Joy Man. She says it's hard to agree that harmful parents are the right parents. Is it possible that a drunken and abusive father or a violent and seductive mother really are our right parents? Can an incestuous parent be our right parent? It's difficult to imagine, and yet the rules of the systemic conscience and the resolutions that constellation work brings to the family energy field shows that indeed they are. The systemic conscience wants life to continue. Just, just the fact of giving life makes a parent the right parent. Mm. When we believe that our parents have harmed us, the following truth statement, which they use a lot in family constellation therapy, they call them truth statements or basically healing statements. Um, she says this following truth statement is very powerful for people who had uh, harmful parents. And she says, now I take you as my father or mother, and I agree to the price of what it cost you and what it cost me. Mm-hmm. And then he has an- she has another truth statement, which she says is very effective for either someone who had just, you know, very harmful parents or just, you know, parents who wounded them some way to look at, to learn, to look at their mother and father in your mind's eye in like a meditation and say, I'm going to take everything you've given me and I'll do my best with it. Wow. And that's, that's very powerful. These, because like these are very empowering, uh, truth statements in that sense, because they, they take you out of the victim blame trap because I see a lot of yeah. people not healing myself included because part of you still wants to blame and, and victimize yourself. Feels good to stay a victim. That's a whole leftist culture space on I'm a victim. Everybody is a perpetrator, but then you stay in this, the drama triangles that's called as well, right? The perpetrator, the victim or the savior, so to speak, right? When you try to save others and when you really need to save yourself, so to speak. Uh, but this is very powerful. I can see it's hard, but even in hearing that you just accept the situation for what it is, which doesn't mean you agree with the abuse or that you deserved it or uh, as it's called, paint uh, lipstick on the pig or something like that. Um, but it really empowers you to heal through it and to accept the life lesson. I think it opens up to a more spiritual dimension as well because exactly. then the karma comes in. And karma is never punishment. It's just a law of cause and effect. And there are many, many unseen factors in your anyone's particular setup that goes way beyond the mind to comprehend. But we need to accept life as it is. I think that's the biggest takeaway from everything that's happening in life, in even regards to the matrix control system, all the evil forces out there, the moment we get in victim blame trap, it's a trap in itself. The matrix has us. We, we, we get stuck in trauma. And then even in this case, then we in, uh, perpetrate or keep our trauma-infused in future generations. We just keep repeating it over and over again, like in a closed loop, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. And it's really, you know, I do highly recommend as a form of therapy, but you got to find a good person. I've had a couple family st- constellation therapists. One was like a next level experience. She even trains people on Vancouver Island. Her name is Jan. And I did a lot of sessions with her, which I'll share a little bit more about in the second hour. But you got to find a good one. It's like any therapy, you know, like there's people who are not so great and good. So people who have more experience, who are training other people, because there's something very powerful about seeing the family system in the room with you, represented by different people and seeing what happened. Like, it's very powerful. That being said, 
this book, It Didn't Start With You. I can't tell you how many people I've recommended this to who have ancestral stuff going on. And like this book is really one, probably the best book written about the topic and working through this topic and um, really reflecting on this in your own life. It Didn't Start With You is by Bert Hellinger? No, that's by Mark Walling. By Mark, Mark Walling. What, yeah. what did Bert Hellinger wrote? Um, right. He has one called Love's Symmetry. I, I might be messing that up. And then he also calls, he has one called Accepting What Is. A lot of Bert Hellinger's work actually is translated from talks he gave in German. So I was just thinking like a lot of even family constellation is based on a German uh, work or is it, am I mistaken? Well, he was German. So he was a right. German priest and family therapist, right. but he also studied with um, this tribe in Africa who had the specific way of resolving ancestral karma, which then he kind of fused with his understanding. Right. Um, and okay. so... Because okay. Alice, Alice Miller, she's also German. I'm just thinking about, we want to talk about the second hour because Germans definitely, we're dealing with, we have been dealing with a lot of trauma yeah. as well over yeah. generations. But let's go that uh, in the second hour, we will also be talking about the big topic of forgiveness <laughs> in context of a family constellation. And uh, for unconscious themes that get set in motions in families, we go all deeper into that, along with really sharing more our own personal experiences with intergenerational trauma and our personal story, healing stories, and how you may relate to that and reflect to that in your own life. We go way deeper in that in the second hour. If you're not a member yet to have access to the second hour, go to my website, veilofreality.com and you can access the membership it's veilofreality.com slash membership you'll have access to over 100 episodes lots of in-depth information in all the second hours lots of information we cannot necessarily share in the first hour and with that being said we'll be right back thank you <laughs> 